I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. Today we read from the 23rd chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning with verse 32. Let us hear these holy words. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please be seated. Very quickly, I want to mention several things that are important that are taking place in the life of the church. This Wednesday, you will receive via email, it will also be on um, our social media website, information regarding caring ministries. As you know, we are trying to figure out how to be a post-pandemic church in lots of ways, and we recognize even in the pastoral care department of the church that we need to be creative with regard to how it is we meet the needs of those who are members of our congregation. So the Caring Ministries Department is going to revamp and respond accordingly to congregational concerns and needs. So there is going to be a survey sent to you this week. It takes less than five minutes to complete it, but it's about the ministries the congregation feels are an important part of the makeup of our church regarding how to meet the needs of our respective members. It's Opportunity With Need. It is an acronym OWN, O-W-N, Opportunity with Need. So we hope that you'll this week fill out that information. If for whatever reason you cannot do it online, next Sunday those will be available. That is the survey. We hope you'll take time to fill it out. We really do want to know how it is that we can meet your needs as a staff for our congregation as a whole. We also want to remind you about our paid in full effort. We are in the process during the season of Lent, ideally of all of us making some kind of sacrifice for the greater good of the cause of the ministry of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. As you all know, we have asked each giving unit in the church, that is a family, an individual, or a couple to consider making at least a $500 commitment between now and Easter to reduce our debt to zero. But in the process of doing so, making some kind of sacrifice that draws you closer to God and our congregation as a whole. So we hope you'll prayerfully consider what it is you can do and how it is you can be a part of something that's very special, that's a church-wide emphasis. We also want to remind you that this week on Wednesday, we start our Wednesday night programming in earnest. We are going to have a meal. We need you to sign up if you're going to be a part of that. We are going to have my Bible study and other small group opportunities. You can go to our website to find out more information about that. You can go to the back of our order of service and see more information. But we want you to be a part of that. It's going to be a good opportunity for us in a very special way to do something during the course of the week that unites us and draws us together as well in a very spiritual way. And there's nothing wrong with having a meal, that's for sure. We hope you'll be a part of that as well. And if you're going to watch online, please be aware that Bible study, my Bible study, is no longer at 5.30, that beginning this Wednesday, it will start at 6 o'clock. So there is a lot happening in the life of the church. Please take time and make the effort to be aware of what's going on and being as involved as you would like to be, which we hope and pray is very involved. 
Let us pray. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day. Work your will in our lives. Amen. C.S. Lewis said crucifixion was not common in art until all of those who had seen a real one had died off. The crucifixion of Jesus embodied the worst in humanity. Crucifixion in Jesus' day and time was a public event. It was a deterrent. If one was considering committing some kind of capital offense, seeing those writhing in pain on a cross in a very public setting as people walked by would be a good deterrent for anyone. The suffering and the agony was intentional. It was a horrific form of death. It was done so in a public setting to try to make the suffering incalculable on the part of the one writhing in pain on the cross. It was also a form of public humiliation because when one was hanged on the cross, he was, of course, stripped naked. We do a very good job in art of covering up Jesus, but Jesus, like everyone else, would have been hanging on a cross completely uncovered. The idea was one for one to suffer for a long extended period of time. It was gruesome. It was unimaginable. And it is in that kind of wretched, evil situation as Jesus is writhing in pain himself, hanging on a cross, that he speaks out, Father, forgive them. It is unimaginable. The first words that Jesus speaks from the cross are not to you and to me, but they are to God. This one named Jesus who said, you have to turn the other cheek and you have to love your enemy. You have to go the extra mile and you have to forgive 70 times seven. This Jesus hanging on a cross, no longer were there adoring crowds following him from place to place. No longer were his disciples close by. They had all vanished. The only ones present now were the Roman soldiers and those who chose to mock him, to spit on him, to laugh at him. Art in the Middle Ages oftentimes depicts people hanging on crosses, towering above those who were beneath. But the truth is, in Jesus' day and time, when one was hanging on the cross, he was just a matter of feet off the ground, usually six to eight feet. In other words, those writhing in pain on a cross could see their tormentors almost eye to eye. And it is in those circumstances in which Jesus himself says, Father, forgive them. It is unimaginable with that level of pain, pain, total abandonment, that Jesus himself could utter such words to God on our behalf. Timothy Keller said, forgiveness is refusing to make them pay for what they did, refusing to lash out in agony. Forgiveness is a form of suffering. It is in the very nature of God to forgive. That's who God is. 
As Jesus is writhing in pain on the cross, what we understand is that Jesus does not immediately ask something from himself, but instead he asks something for us. Forgiveness. Philip Yancey said grace teaches us that God loves us because of who God is, not because of who we are. It is a form of grace that is forgiveness. It is recognizing that we receive something from our Lord that we do not deserve, we're not entitled to, and we get it anyway. Can you imagine the circumstances in which Jesus finds himself? The hatred, the vitriolic language, the suffering, the agony, the abuse, the torture. And while he is going through all of that, totally alone, completely abandoned, he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive who? For what? Father, forgive Pontius Pilate, who instead of doing the right thing and the just thing, chose instead to do the popular thing, to save himself, to forgive those Roman soldiers who literally nailed his body to a cross, to forgive those who yelled continually, crucify him, those who struck his face and crushed a crown of thorns down upon his head, those who stripped him and tortured him, those who spat upon him. Forgive who? Forgive the religious establishment of the day who was so threatened by a man who lived and personified what love is. To forgive you and to forgive me. It is amazing to think about what Jesus went through and that the first words he would speak from the cross were to God on our behalf. Father, forgive them. We live in a world of retribution, we know that. We live in a world that oftentimes is evil. It is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I hurt you back. I'm not gonna let you step on me. And here is Jesus who is experiencing the deepest level of spiritual, emotional, and physical pain that anyone would ever go through. And he says, Father, forgive them. Now remember, Jesus hanged on the cross for approximately six hours when there were those who would hang for days. But we have to remember his level of suffering was so much greater than anyone could ever imagine because while he was hanging on the cross, he took upon himself all of the sin of all of humanity and died to that sin. Your sin has caused you enough pain. My sin has caused me enough pain. And if you think about multiplying that billions and billions of times over and Jesus receiving that pain upon himself, no other human being would ever go through that level of pain. And instead of divine retribution, Jesus offers divine forgiveness. It's unimaginable. How do we do that? The only way we can even absorb that, that incalculable level of suffering and Jesus still offering this level of grace and forgiveness is in the process of recognizing that we believe in a God of profound love, a love greater than we can comprehend or ever understand in this life. 
See, one can only forgive if one has been injured, wounded, hurt. Forgiveness really is a form of extreme sacrifice. It is being willing to do something that flies in the very face of what our natural response would be. The response is naturally to hurt back. And Jesus, who could have called down legions of angels, instead simply speaks to God crying out, Father, forgive them. How does one begin to absorb that? How does one even begin to comprehend what it is Jesus did on the cross in the first words that he spoke on our behalf? He is forgiving us as we sit here today, having done it 2,000 years ago. My sin is huge, so is yours. And while he is going through that level of suffering, he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive John. Forgive the members of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. Forgive anyone who has caused another pain. In the Second World War, the famous German theologian Karl Barth was exiled to the United States because of Hitler's effort to eliminate even people in the church who were opposed to his leadership. Karl Barth fled, and he, in exile, said this about Jesus. Jesus' gift of forgiveness was more astonishing than any of his miracles. Miracles broke the physical laws of the universe, but forgiveness broke the moral rules. See, Jesus doesn't do what any one of us would expect that he should do on the cross. We would be filled with such anger and resentment and bitterness at the people who put us there, at those who would have nailed us to a piece of wood, and yet Jesus does not respond the way we would expect. At least if we were in his position. Think about what Jesus has done in speaking the first of the seven last words, Father, forgive them. While he is being nailed to a cross, he forgives those who are nailing him, the very ones who have caused him such pain. Only God can do that. In trying to wrap my head this week around the whole idea of what Jesus has done, by saying, Father, forgive them, I thought about circumstances throughout history in which people would have found themselves suffering greatly. What would they have done? What Jesus does on the cross by saying, Father, forgive them, in the moment of incomprehensible, unimaginable suffering, is life, for example, a slave in the 19th century being physically abused over and over again and then turning to the one who has abused him and saying, I forgive you. It would be like a Jew in a Nazi concentration camp in the Second World War watching her family being executed by the Nazis and then turning to the very ones who executed her family and saying, I forgive you. 
It would be like the people of Ukraine who see hospitals being bombed and people being displaced and suffering at a level unimaginable, turning to Putin and saying, right after something else has been bombed, we forgive you. It doesn't even seem to make sense. It doesn't even seem to add up. And yet that's the level of love that God has for us. Our sin, our shame, our guilt. Father, forgive them. William Willimon writes in one of his books about an occasion when he heard a lecture from a man named Houston Smith, who is an expert on world religions. Houston Smith was asked the question, what are the peculiar aspects of major religions in the world? He said, well, for Islam, the major focus is prayer. For Judaism, the major focus is family. For Christianity, the major focus is forgiveness. Can you imagine that level of forgiveness while writhing in such agony on the cross? Father, forgive them for the suffering and for the pain, for the sorrow. Father, forgive them. See, forgiveness is, is the bridge between our sin and God's love. See, what we do, like the disciples, is we abandon and we betray and we deny Jesus in our lives and God forgives us. There are times when we lash out and we strike back and the very one who said turn the other cheek and forgive 70 times 7 does it even on the cross. There are times when we justify and rationalize our blatant sin and God forgives us. Of the seven last words on the cross, we begin with Jesus before he asks anything for himself. He asks on our behalf that God free us from the very thing that will shackle us and chain us forever. He asks for those who cause him pain to be forgiven. He asks for us who gather in this holy place and watch online and on television to be forgiven. He even asks for those evil dictators in our world today who have caused such harm, such pain, forgiven. Incalculable, unimaginable, hard to even understand. And yet he did it for all of us. It is a level of love that is staggering. And it's a love given to all of us. Hallelujah. Amen.